Tonight, tonight, why not? He'll make you think. I think I'm going to break protocol here, though. He'll make you laugh. Is it conceited of me? Because, I mean, I've been puffing my chest out a little bit. And he lives for a take that'll make you do both. He says things I can't say. Nothing tops overtime, whether it's on the field or on the air. People don't forget. It's time for Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. Spencer German filling in for JP tonight, who is once again on the morning show. I, I got a feeling JP is missing his his normal time slot. A, because I know he's more of a... I know he, he has the sleep apnea, and he said he's taking care of that. But I still have a feel. I think JP still enjoys at least sleeping in someone. I know he's got the, the baby, so it's a little bit harder now. I know how that goes with kids. You don't really get a chance to sleep in much once you have children. Um... But I'm guessing there's some sentimental value when you got your own show. I'm sure he's enjoying his time in the morning show, but I'm sure he's looking forward to getting back here as well with you guys starting next week when Lima returns the, to, 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 to co-host along with Ken, and then he should be back here in his normal time slot, 7 to midnight. But you got me tonight. You got me tomorrow. And before we get to anything sports, I have an anecdote. Like I have a story for you guys because I am... A first-time homeowner as of December of 2022. And I have found myself, like I think many of you out there have done, when there's a problem that emerges, whether it's a leaky pipe or um, something that needs fixed in in the, the, the basement or something that just needs fixed in general or some sort of project that involves nails and a hammer, like... I find myself more than ever trying to find ways to fix these things that I never thought was possible because I'm not really, I, I wouldn't say I'm not a handy person. I'm definitely a patient person. What well, one thing that this, that, that one big difference between my, my dad and I, my dad was the least patient person ever. If he ever had to fix stuff around the house, he would lose his mind and he would start swearing. He had, he, his frustration levels would hit an all time high within like 10 minutes. I, on the other hand, I tend to be pretty patient with things. I kind of just work with it until I get it right. So I found myself sort of curious about fixing things on my own, mostly to save the money because I'm a cheapskate that way. And that's maybe maybe one day if I ever get to a... a uh, I, I don't even think that is being a cheapskate, though. Because I think there's a lot of people who realize the money that goes into these projects often is like the, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And we have this lovely thing called YouTube nowadays that allows you to fix or, or watch a video that can show you how to do almost anything at this point in our lives, which is incredible. Shout out to the creators of YouTube. Um, but I, so I don't know that it's me being cheap as much as it's just like, man, they're going to come out here and gouge me if I, if I hire a plumber to come fix this thing. So I try to just do it myself. It's, and it's, I'm not talking big stuff. Like if a pipe bursts, and I need that replaced. Like, I ain't doing that project myself. I'm just going to have to bite the bullet on that one. But if it's small things, like this project I was working on today, I was trying to fix the the cartridge in my shower nozzle broke. And so it was leaking all out of the handle, and it was obnoxious, and it was getting annoying. And I was like, this seems like something I can fix myself. Called the I called Delta uh, Shower Company or F- Faucet Company. They sent me a new uh, cartridge. I was working on trying to get it fixed. 
but I couldn't get this ring off. There's like this ring that's screwed in and it's been there it's been there since the house was built, so it's stuck on there and I can't get it off. So, this is my my problem. When you hire a plumber, all I want is for the plumber to try. That's all I'm asking for. And I I had this plumber come out. I'm not going to use any names of companies. I actually think the company I went through is a company that has sponsored. I don't know if they're sponsoring anything right now, but I know they have sponsored stuff in the past. So I definitely don't want to say anything uh, egregious about the company because I've worked with this company before and generally they do a pretty good job. But in this instance, the person comes out. um, There were sort of two things that I had them coming for. One was a pipe that they had already assessed and they were going to fix but I guess they didn't tell the guy about that one. They only told him about the other problem that I had. And so he comes to check it out. And I tell him, like, yeah, I can't get this ring off. I, I just want to know if there's, like, a tool or something you guys can do for me to try to get the saw so I can try to replace myself. That's all I'm asking you guys to do on top of this pipe that you apparently didn't know about, which was kind of annoying because I thought that was the whole purpose of him coming out, was that and this ring. And the guy looks at it, and he says, oh, man, if that if that's stuck on there, you got to replace the whole, the whole valve. So I can quote you for that, and we have to find a place to kind of access it and all this different stuff. But yeah, I'm not going to be able to do that today. But I'm going to have to quote you the whole valve. And I was like, uh, okay. And then he was like, I was like, well, you don't have to worry about that today. Then I'll figure it out. And he was like, do you want me to fix the pipe downstairs then? And I was like, well, no, because if I have you fix that today then you have to come back again to then fix the other thing. I just want to have like a clean sweep, like come one time, get the stuff done that needs done and get out of here. So he kind of swift, I swift him off. I say, all right, bye. And I, I didn't say it like that, but I was like, all right, yeah, thanks. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be in touch, whatever. I think he was pissed because he, sl- he slammed my door harder than I've ever had anybody slam my front door as he left because he came out there, wasn't getting paid for any work. And I felt bad about that, but at the same time, I was like, man, if you're not even going to help me, what's the, like, I don't need you here just to dilly-dally and, and eat bonbons for the rest of the day. I need some help. So I quickly got over that, and I said, you know what? This is, this is like the Michael Jordan in me. This is how petty I am. I said to myself, I'm going to figure out how to fix this, this uh, shower handle without him. And I'm going to, when they, when they send me this, this estimate... I'm going to call him back and I'm going to say, you know what? I don't need that estimate anymore. Save the paper and save my time because I fixed it my damn self. I can't wait for the day that I can call him and say that, which will probably be tomorrow. But I truly, um, it was a whole process. It took most of the afternoon. But I noticed, like, I don't know if this is just a, I've always heard, like, as you get older and, like, Christmases don't matter as much anymore when you're not, like, a kid and you're getting the cool stuff. And you get excited about things like new outfits and uh, tools for the house. Like, that's the type of stuff that you're supposed to get excited about when you're a homeowner. Today was one of those moments for me where I realized, like, man, I'm, I've truly become like a full-fledged adult. Because I'm out here fixing my own things. And the joy that you feel from, uh, there's no way I'm alone on this. 216-474-0092. The joy that you feel when you fix something your damn self and you can tell the plumber to shove it when they didn't even want to help you is one of the most satisfying feelings I think I've ever felt. I was, I mean, listen, it, it wasted a lot of my afternoon when I had a lot of other stuff I had to get done today, 
like prepping for the show. Um, but I still got that done. I'm not saying this show is going to be all about plumbing for the next five hours. I just had to start with the story because it, it, I was overjoyed at the fact that I had an opportunity to fix something on my own. Shout out YouTube. And I get to call the plumber back tomorrow and tell him, thanks for wasting my time. I fixed it myself because you guys were lazy and you wouldn't even give it a look. And, and that's all I'm asking for. Because listen, I fully admit that plumbing is something that is generally way over my head. And my wife kind of, she was, she was advising me against doing this. She was like, I don't know, Spencer, you might break something. I don't know if you should do it. And I said, I'm going to at least try because if I can fix it and save us the money, then I'd rather do it that way. Well, I succeeded and I was very satisfied that I didn't have to worry about that plumber. But because plumbing's over my head, all I wanted was a little bit of help. And this, see, this, and this is my biggest gripe with this whole process nowadays. Whether it's your car, whether it's plumbing, these big ticket things that I don't necessarily know everything there is to know about, they take advantage of you. Truly, they take advantage of you because they know that they, they think I'm some idiot who can't look stuff up and do the research. And so they're like, well, this guy, I'm just going to tell him we got to replace the whole damn thing. And all they do is come in and they look at it and they hear what the problem is and they say... Yeah, we got to replace the whole thing without even trying to help you with the issue you have. I at least wanted to try to do it myself. I figured out a, 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 a loophole of how to fix it and do it myself, so I did. But I just wanted you to help me with one thing, and you couldn't even do that. And that's why I, uh, I look side-eye at stuff like plumbers and hospitals and car maintenance people. Because I don't trust them. All these people are untrustworthy. They're just trying to take you for all you're worth and get all this money out of you. I've heard so many like terrible uh, horror stories about people hiring a plumber. They come in and they say, I'll fix this thing, but I noticed all these other issues. And then they're charging. Next thing you know, you're getting charged $4,000 for it. It's ridiculous. So at the end of the day, I just wanted to share that because I thought it was awesome. To have that feeling. And and I if you've if you've ever felt that feeling that I did today, please, please, please call it. 216-474-992. Cause it's there's no better feeling at this point as a grown ass man in my life than knowing that you stuck it to the plumber by doing the thing that he told you you couldn't do because you had to replace the whole thing. Guess what? I did it. So I'm better at your job than you. Not really, but um and just that plus sticking to the plumber was uh, it made for a good day today. That was my Thursday in a nutshell. And now I'm here with you getting ready to talk a whole bunch of different things, including the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are often running over at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, hosting the Orlando Magic tonight. No Donovan Mitchell in the lineup, which is probably a wise move as they start this final third home stretch of the season before the playoffs, which is the thing that obviously everybody cares about. Before we... I, the the thing, and I actually want to start with the Cavs with you here tonight at 216 474 0092 because as I think about what I'm waiting to sort of see and what I need to see from this team, other than, yeah, just not getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs, it centers largely around JB Bickerstaff and how he's going to handle this, this team and this deep roster that he has down the stretch and in the postseason. 
That's one of my biggest question marks that I have. Because he has admitted in press conferences and elsewhere that he prefers a, 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 a lineup where he's playing seven to eight guys, not nine to ten guys. And so this is new for him. I know that there's a lot of people who don't trust him already. But I do think he has earned some of that trust back with the way he's coached the team to this point, keeping them afloat through the two major injuries to Mobley and Garland, and in his ability so far to utilize this deep roster that he has. My question for you, though, is do you trust him to keep that rolling? Do you trust him to be able to do that down this home stretch of the season and in the playoffs when we know he's going to be judged the most? I, I, like, I want to say yes, but this is maybe the one thing that I do question the most with J.B. Pickerstaff at this point. I'm not questioning how the locker room feels about him right now. It seems like guys are bought in because they could have quit. Again, with those two injuries they had, they could have absolutely just folded up shop and got ready for, you know, it could have been hands in, one, two, three, Cancun, but they, they kept it going. So I respect the fact that he's kept this locker room together. I respect the fact that he's trying some new things. He's really pulled out this new identity of this team during that stretch and beyond. Can he keep it up? And part of keeping it up is utilizing this deep bench that he has, which is not something he's used to doing. What is your trust level on J.B. Bickerstaff with this group to keep on utilizing this deep bench and, and find the right mix of players the rest of the way and, and rely on that strength for this team come playoff time. 216-474-0092. We'll talk about it some more on the other side. We also have some audio from J.B. Bickerstaff pregame that I want to play as well. It's Spencer German with you. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on The Fan. Man, James Bridges is uh, he's a real downer tonight, let me tell you. This man can't let anybody have uh, be be happy today. I don't know what I don't know if you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, if uh, somebody hit your car today, if uh, somebody kicked you or something, some kid ran up to you and kicked you in the shin. I don't know what is going on, but James is trying to bring everybody down. I don't. I, I, uh, dangerous lies and vicious rumors. No, that's what you're trying to do. Not at all. You're trying to admit you're you're going to try to blow my blow up my spot later. No. And try to make it sound like I can't, that I'm like the least Andy person ever. I'm just some lazy, lazy husband in my family. I'm going to give you the opportunity to stand up for yourself to actually go out there and put some things on uh, on paper that you can actually do. No, don't turn this into a negative. Don't turn me into the bad no, guy because you, you said you're you not said that was, handy. I got some questions. I got, I got some questions about yeah. fire now. How handy you really are. I'm not going to throw, throw nothing at you too crazy. I'm not going to ask you if you know how to change the oil on a car. I got some real practical things that can be done around. I would house actually, that I, I would actually learn how to change the oil in my car if I had a way to like get under my car. That's I would do that. No, okay, hold on, hold on, wait. You know, there's this um, great invention, right? It's called a car jack. You go ahead and you put yeah, it up under the body. Yeah, but I don't know that I trust just doing. I don't know if I trust jack like going on just like one side jacked up. I want like to actually be like underneath it. Then like, buy two. I guess. If you want some See, security, I have uh, my brother-in-law has like a truck. And he bought like a little, he bought one of those little like cart things that you can lay on and he goes under there and does it. So if I, I, listen, at some point I'm getting a new car anyway. If I end up getting a truck, then I'll probably just try to learn how to change my own oil and then it'll be fine. 
That's Maybe. one of those things, though. Like, oil changes aren't something that's so complex that I wouldn't try it. Like, I'm like, okay, I can learn how to do this. Now, I hope I don't mess it up because that's really bad for my car if I do. Um, but I'm saying, like, I, I would at least try that. I think I could do that. But once you start telling me, like, we got to replace the catalytic converter, it's like, yeah, that's that's over my head. I can't be I can't be doing all that. You mean you don't know how to change the starter in a 94 Scirocco? No. No. Slacker. Two one six four seven four is double ninety two. Is there a better feeling than when the plumber comes to your house or any uh, maintenance person comes to your house and you do the job that they couldn't finish for you? Like you figure out how to do it and you fix something in your own house. I think it feels pretty good. I just hear uh, my bank account going cha ching. Because I'm not using any money on this this silly project. Two uh two one six four seven four double nine two. If you also want to jump in on the Cavs, they are up right now twenty to eighteen over the Orlando Magic late in the first quarter. So off to a pretty good start. Evan Mobley's been really aggressive so far tonight. That's good to see. And we'll certainly keep an eye on the game for you throughout the rest of the evening. We will talk to Hayden Grove, Cleveland.com. He's set to join us around eight o'clock. Or sorry, 9 o'clock. I take that back. We had talked about 8. We pushed it to 9. Uh, Chris Manning will also join us after the Cavs game uh, when this thing goes final to give some of his thoughts on the Cavs tonight, what he wants to see in the second half. Uh, I have a good question for him about minutes and what that should sort of look like. And the question I'm kind of asking you guys as well, which is how much faith do you have in J.B. Pickerstaff to manage this roster correctly? Down the down the stretch of the season and in the playoffs. Because like I said, he's been on the record admitting openly that he prefers a seven to eight man rotation, not this nine to ten man rotation that he's kind of being forced to play at the moment. So if that's true, do you trust that he's gonna be able to utilize this thing properly come playoff time? Because it is an asset that this team didn't have a year ago that they now have at their disposal and he needs to be able to use it properly if they're going to make any sort of run in the postseason. And that also probably means like getting out of the first round. I can't really, and this was the dilemma last year. Everybody was ready to fire J.B. Bickerstaff after the playoffs because it was, oh, this guy made no adjustments and blah, blah, blah. But I also argued, yes, he seemed like he was outcoached. I agree. But he also didn't have a lot in his toolbox. As we use the t- the, the toolbox puns after, uh, not puns, but the toolbox analogies after talking about fixing things today. But he didn't have a lot in his toolbox in the way that I did to fix my, my uh, shower handle to make a lot of adjustments. Like everyone was clamoring when that series ended in five games. Why did Lamar Stevens only play eight minutes tonight? And it was like, guys, you really think Lamar Steven play Lamar Stevens playing 20 minutes was going to save that series and fix everything for the Cavaliers and they were going to suddenly get past the Knicks? No. No. That he didn't have a lot at his disposal, which is why I said I I understand the frustrations and I understand the people who feel like he's an unserious coach that this is an unserious team until they get a more serious coach. But I was willing to give him some of the benefit of the doubt for taking this team to the playoffs for the first time his first time taking this team to the playoffs. And as they kind of go through some growing pains of their own so that we can see 
what year two brings. And if it doesn't work out this year, obviously you're going to be looking elsewhere for a coach. I mean, that's, that's just plain and simple. But because he didn't have a lot to use or utilize or tap into in the way of adjustments, I can't really be all that mad. I want to see how he handles this lineup in particular when he has now a very, very deep roster and a very, very deep bench. He hinted at that a little bit before the game tonight. I want to play you this audio from J.B. Bickerstaff pregame today. He had some commentary on just managing the minutes of players. And this is kind of where my head's at with this. Like, how is he going to handle these things so that he preserves guys like Donovan Mitchell for the playoffs? Here's what he had to say about it. And we want to be very, very careful. And I think at this point, we're at a point where we can be very, very careful. We can be calculated in, you know, the games where guys do play more in heavier minutes. But playing guys back-to-back 38, 40 minutes, like, it's just not good for the long term, especially when we have the depth that we have. So, you know, we always want to be cautious and try to be as healthy as we can. Because I do think, you know, like, the more fresh you can be physically and mentally going into the playoffs at the same time, being conditioned to play those heavy minutes, think it's an advantage for you. And again, I think we have the depth to be able to do that. I was trying to count the number of back-to-backs the Cavs play the rest of the way. I'm at four right now. Uh, Five. Six. Six. They have six more back-to-backs the rest of the season. So... One of the big takeaways from what J.B. Bickerstaff said there, don't plan on seeing star players like Donovan Mitchell in back-to-backs. And that starts with tonight. I think there's a reason he's not playing. Yeah, they said he was he was sick, but also he was the only one who participated in the All-Star game, so he had a little extra run, and they were giving him basically an extra day off, which I think is reasonable. But that's the type of stuff I'm talking about, like preserving guys for the for the home stretch. And... I think the th- and here's the thing because I've been harking, uh, harping on the fact that there's some key games here that I think I want to see the team at full strength play so you can kind of use them as a barometer down the stretch of the season. There's the Knicks on March 3rd. There's the Celtics on on March 5th. There's the Timberwolves on March 8th. There's the Suns on March 11th. There's the Pacers on March 18th because that could be a first a potential first round matchup. There's the Heat a couple times uh, late March there's the Nuggets, there's the Suns again, there's the Lakers. Like, these are all games where I want to see the team be at full strength and be out there playing. But around that, like, if you're mixing and matching a little bit with your lineups, giving some guys, uh, getting some guys off their feet, I'm okay with that. Beyond that, though, it's about how he manages these lineups and how he manages these rosters during the game. In some of those matchups I mentioned, like, if they're if they're in a heated battle with the Suns going down the stretch, yeah, like, maybe Donovan Mitchell's continues playing in that one because there's a good chance you have you you have an opportunity to win a big time game there and it could be like a, a back and forth battle where you're like all right he's playing 38 tonight but if but conversely if there's opportunities to get those guys off their feet and mix and match the lineups I want JB Bickerstaff to do that because last year down the stretch of the season it was Donovan, 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 Donovan. And you could tell in the playoffs, it seemed to have an effect on him. Part of the reason you did what you did in the offseason, you go get Max Strews, you go get George Niang. I don't know if they knew Sam Merrill was going to emerge as the player that he has, but you you add Sam Merrill to this roster and, and give him some opportunities, and that kind of got discovered. Uh, like The reason 
that that stretch without Mobley and Garland was so valuable is because it's now shown you how deep you can play with your with your rosters and your lineup. So, how are you using those guys down the stretch? Are you gonna, or is he gonna just revert back to what he knows best, which is, well, I only really want to trust seven guys, so I'm just gonna go to those seven guys. And are, so here's the difference, right? Is it gonna be a gradual march towards end of March, early April? All we see is like a seven man rotation. Or is it going to be what it should be, which is he continues to find ways to work guys in, get some guys off the floor so they're not exhausting themselves. That way they're a little bit fresher in the playoffs, and if they do have to exhaust themselves more, you do that. Because we know once you get to the playoffs, there's the old saying of like, you play eight, you trust seven or whatever that, or trust six or whatever the hell it is. So, yeah, like on some level, maybe some of these guys won't show up in the playoffs. Maybe Sam Merrill won't be the same player in the playoffs. But you got him reps. And you can utilize them down the stretch here to allow your stars to then be ready to go and more uh, physically capable of what's going to be in store for them come playoff time. That's what I want to see. On top of how he gets creative with it, which he has done some very creative things. Dean Wade has been part of some of the best lineups on this team, and he's emerged as a top defender, and he's actually knocking down threes this year. There's a lot to like about where this team is at right now and the roster they have, but I, I, I am a little bit worried about J.B. Bickerstaff's ability to keep this thing up as you get closer to the playoffs and you know the game changes a little bit. Will he still trust the number of guys he trusts? And how is he going to utilize this, this deep team that he has, which should be a strength for you, come April? 216-474-0192. It's, my, it's maybe my biggest holdup right now with J.B. Bickerstaff, who's earned back a lot of trust in me throughout most of the season. Lowell in Ashford. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, uh, Spencer? You're doing a great job. Appreciate it, man. How are you? As far as the plumber goes, man, you know, try to fix it yourself, and then if it doesn't work, just call a plumber. (laughs) Well, that was was the point I was at, because I thought they sent, like, the Delta Fawcett people, I thought they sent me the wrong part, and I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. And then I I realized it was the right part, and I tried to get it fixed, but I couldn't get this piece off. And eventually, like I said, YouTube is a a, a godsend. It's amazing. It's a godsend. Yeah, it's amazing. I could look up how to build a radio station like our studio yeah, here yeah. somehow on YouTube. Like it's it's remarkable the stuff that you can learn on YouTube. So shout yeah, out to you. It's really awesome. But yeah, just uh, you know what you, you you if you're willing to try and not get frustrated like your dad. <laughs> At least try. You can always call the plumber. Oh man, my dad! I have so many. I have so many stories of my dad just getting frustrated with stuff, oh, taking a hammer, way, smashing man. it, uh, throwing same stuff. Way. Like I, I would be like, "You okay?" Like I, I was the kind of the calm, patient one. It was always, it was always hilarious. But anyway, I know you're a younger guy though, and you're newly buried stuff. The only call, ultimate thing is don't let your pride overstep getting the job done. If you That's see you fair. can't get it done, That's get fair. it done. Because ultimately, if she loses faith that you can't get it done, eh, you better off pay, pay the money. <laughs> trust me. I'm going to remember that advice a little. I appreciate it, my man. Trust me. Trust me. Anyways, uh, as far as JB, I think he's a great coach. I just think, as far as just that trust, is he capable of utilizing it? Right now, you want everybody that he has on that bench playing in some minutes somewhere. Take a little load off, keeping them fresh seeing who's hot, seeing who's not. That's a coach's job. Is the, the, the game evolves from start to finish. The season evolves from start to finish. And, you know, last year when they went to um, the Knicks and 
basically got caught with their pants down is what they really did. Yeah. He wasn't capable of finding a way to make those guys mesh. Now, we don't have the guys we have this year, granted. And last year was Mitchell was new and Darius was new working together. But he's had a time now to see all the different avenues. He needs to be rotating those guys in and out through the whole game. And then at the end of the game, if he sees he can knock it out and he has to yeah. play Donovan an extra couple minutes, okay. But those guys should run in and out of there constantly. Yeah. He should play and, every freaking guy he's got. And what I will say, he is still sort of testing some things out because – he only has had Garland and Mobley back for Absolutely. what, like a series of like eight to ten games. So I Absolutely. know there's still sort of a feeling out process here. But I want I, I my 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 honest to God hope is that down the stretch of the season here, he figures out all those rotations and everything that he wants to do, and then he he's able to trust and stick with it in the playoffs. Because my biggest fear is like right. he has this depth at his disposal, and then come playoff time, he just won't utilize it and he'll go away from it because he doesn't he doesn't think it's going to work. And he basically told you he doesn't like using extra guys. Yeah. He's already yeah. told you that. So you can't really trust that. And I'll throw this in. I know we're not talking about the Browns. When a coach won't adapt and won't submit to a different thing to win the game, that's when you know you got a problem. And I'm not a big, uh, you know, Browns coach fan, um, Stefanski. Last year, the New Orleans Saints came up, and they ran the football and beat our butt on the coldest day of the year. He would not adapt. So what I'm saying, a lot of these coaches, they get stuck in their trench, and a coach's job is to take your tools in your bag, yeah. just like you fix your faucet, and doing the best <laughs> job you can do to fix it. Yeah. Okay? All right, Lowell, I appreciate the call, man. Good stuff. we got to take a break. I like that analogy, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that here in a moment when we get back. Also coming up, guys, one of my favorite things about working in a local market is that people count on the national opponents to kind of be the authority on all things football or all things whatever. But we get a chance to humble them occasionally. We'll talk about that. We'll have uh, at 9 o'clock Hayden Grove, Cleveland.com, set to join us. Uh, Chris Manning is going to join us. We're going to play extend franchise or cut. Whole bunch of stuff to come. It's Spencer German with you on 92 Through the Fan. We've archived all of our past episodes so you can hear what you miss, but don't miss the next live episode of Carmen and Lima's Emerging Podcast Scene next Tuesday and Thursday, presented by Extend Technologies on 92 Through the Fan Extra Channel, part of the Odyssey app. 216-474-0092. What's your trust level at for J.B. Bickerstaff, given this uh, a year removed from a, a, a Cavs roster that was very, very thin in terms of, of depth? To now having a team that is super deep and he's got to find a way to utilize all these guys in an effective way. Lowell talked about coaches being able to adapt. And I really think that's the thing that we're trying to learn about J.B. Bickerstaff. Can he adapt to the circumstances given to him with this team? And they are good circumstances. To have a team this deep is a, a really, really good thing. So I'm not debating, like there's no debating that. It's just a matter of, does he know how to handle this? Does he know how to utilize it? Especially for a guy that has admitted this isn't really his bread and butter. He's not used to going nine to ten guys deep. He's used to more of a seven to eight guys deep, if that. It's just not his way of doing things. So is he going to melt? Is that mentality going to melt away in the playoffs? And he's just going to go back to what he know what he knows and what he normally does? Or is he actually going to get these guys meaningful minutes down the stretch of the season here to be able to trust them come playoff time and put them in a, in a, in a position to 
be successful um, and, and contribute in the postseason? That's what I want to know. I think that's the biggest thing we're still learning about J.B. Bickerstaff. I think he's overcome a lot this year. I think he's overcome a lot of the haters and the doubters out there, myself included, because I had some questions. I had some other questions beyond just this question. But I do think now that's the one thing that has me like, uh, like uh, sort of teeter-tottering back and forth. Do I fully think J.B. Bickerstaff is the long-term answer? I need to see how he handles having a team that is this good and this deep. We're also forgetting about Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson can come back mid-March, and when he does, how does he get back into the rotation now that Evan Mobley's back out there? Because Tristan Thompson's playing really good basketball. Maybe uh, we might know why that was the case now. So maybe there's going to be a drop-off there. But if he can still be a contributor outside of just being a vocal leader on the bench and all that, like you have a backup big that can play for you, and that would be massive. But how is he, like, is he kind of finding himself out of the rotation now? He just might. Is that good or bad for the Cavs? I don't know. The other thing I will say, and this is another reason why I think J.B. Bickerstaff deserves credit, but also as we shift the conversation slightly, because, listen, we've all, we've all done the, what should your expectation be for the playoffs with this team thing, like, over and over and over again. Um, and there's no sense in exhausting that yet again, uh, specifically that question tonight as the Cavs season resumes. But what I do think is interesting were the comments made from Dan Devine today of Yahoo Sports who was on with uh, on afternoon drive with Nick. Because all the things that concerned us about this team at the end of last season when that game when that when that series ends as ugly as it did against the Knicks in five games. He addressed those things earlier today, and I think he brought up a really, really good point on all of them. The Cavs don't have to apologize for their own success in that regard, and they went through their own massive spate of injuries, losing half of their starting lineup for an extended period of time. Cleveland, I think, is to be commended for the way that they sort of circled the wagons and rallied around during that period, and the, and the identity that has sort of grown out of that. The things that the Cavs struggled so much with last postseason, especially in that first-round series against the Knicks, with the perimeter shooting, with the complementary pieces around Mitchell and Garland, with the way that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley were performing, and with the rebounding, obviously the defensive rebounding in particular, keeping the Knicks off the glass. All that stuff, the Cavs are better at now. They have strengthened their weaknesses and also sharpened some of their strengths, like augmented the way that Mitchell is able to get downhill off the bounce, the way that Allen is, is rolling to the rim, the way that J.B. Bickerstaff has increased the staggering between the Mitchell-Allen group and then Garland and Mobley and you know activating more guys off the bench. There's just more live options. So, I mean, everybody's going to say, like, it remains to be seen. Like, I'll need to see it to believe it in the playoffs. But everything that Cavs have done to this point is answer the questions that everyone had about them. And like, that's kind of all you can do. That's one of the biggest re like I, I, I've thought about that, but I haven't said it in that way. And I think that's, what's important to take away from that, that interview that Dan Devine had with, with Nick earlier today, the defensive rebounding, the spacing, the floor, the, the outside perimeter shooting that this team was lacking last year. That's all here now. That is all present on this roster in the way that they're playing basketball right now. So knowing that, I feel a lot better about the fact that this team isn't just going to be a, hey, let's show up for five games and then I'll uh, take our vacations and start booking those flights. 
that's the thing that when you sit and say, does the regular season matter? These games don't mean anything. Blah, 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 blah. I think they've shown that this change of identity that they have is why the regular season matters. Because they are showing you the things that were missing in that series. Now, it is different when you get to the playoffs and a team is game planning for you seven straight games rather than just showing up to Chicago or Orlando or back in Cleveland or whatever and having a one-off game with whatever one-off opponent for that specific night. You're just trying to get through the long haul of a season, right? Like you have your identity that you kind of play with in the regular season. Teams know it. They're sort of game planning for it, but they're not diving into the X's and O's the way that you do in a postseason series when you know your main focus is this team to get the right to another series after that um, for for a week plus. But knowing that that's the case, this team has changed that identity. They're not the same team as last year. Like, the Knicks can't just copy and paste what their game plan was against the Cavs from last year, this year, because of the way that they've played. And so that's the thing they've showed us during the regular season. That's the thing that we've learned about them to this point, is that they are playing differently. The style of play is there's an uptick in pace. There's more space in the floor. Um, there's there, there seems to be a little bit more of a physicality. They're doing things that are and, – and some of that comes from the, the – the, the, some of that identity change – comes from adding guys like Max Struess and George Niang, veterans in this league who have played in the playoffs before and have that experience and bring a different just attitude to this team. That's another thing that the Cavaliers are getting. So, yeah, like it's it's they are setting the stage for this thing to be different this time around. And that's obviously very very encouraging. And it's what you want to see. Um, it's, it's, it's like what you want the takeaway to be from the regular season. If they had marched through this season, the way they were playing early on, where it was all pick and roll stuff and it was all Evan Mobley just staying in the paint and it wasn't him trying threes and trying to help space the floor. Then yeah, I would feel more worried that this was just going to be a, a groundhog's day scenario. A call me Bill Murray and I'm waking up and reliving the th- the same thing as last year where they're just getting bullied out of the first round. But because they've changed things up, because they have a new identity in the way that they do things now, I'm feeling better about it. And that was the point from Dan Devine. Like, they answered all the questions that they had to answer. They made a point this offseason and going out and adding spacing with Max Struess, a guy that can shoot the ball on the outside and bring sort of this mental toughness coming from the Miami Heat. They added a guy like George Niang, who they hope can do the same. Now, he's not a great defender, but Dean Wade has taken sort of that leap that they were hoping for. They were hoping Dean Wade was going to be where he is this year, last year, and that's part of the problem, too. And we and, and that's the other thing we tend to forget. We try to use last year as the end-all, be-all of what this team will ever be, and I've questioned this because I've said, like, if Jared Allen, as a a, a veteran in this league, who, honestly, he's been in the playoffs before, but as a 25-year-old in this league who's been there before, if his takeaway from last year was the lights were too bright, is toughness for him a, a something that he can shake and, and get better at, or is that just who he is? I still question that a little bit with this team and some of these guys. I, I guess Allen, because he is the one who dropped the quote, maybe most notably. But there is room for guys who are 25 and under to still grow as players and get better and learn their game and become 
become stronger in a certain facet of their game. It doesn't have to just be what we saw last year against the Knicks is what these guys will always be. And I think we forget about that sometimes. I think we've seen some of that on display throughout the regular season. There's still some learning that's going on with J.B. Pickerstaff as well, as I've already alluded to throughout this first hour. But yes, I, I feel good about what this team has sort of put on tape to this point. Can they replicate it in the playoffs is now the thing they have to shake. But to Dan Devine's point, it, it, it seems to be trending that way as you have a team that clearly overhauled in the offseason what, what their roster looked like. They now have 10 guys that they can play. And as you factor in the fact that they've changed their style and have some guys, the young guys who have, who have another year of experience and playoff experience to boot under their belts. 216-474-0092. If you want to get in on your confidence level in J.B. Bickerstaff as he manages a lineup of 10 deep, that's 10 deep at this point in the Cavs season. Also... Uh, if you want to jump in, just talking about the Cavs in general and your, your thoughts as we start this home stretch, final third, whatever you want to call it, portion of the season that leads us into postseason basketball. First hour down, when we get back, I love working in an open uh, a local market sometimes because this is our chance to be like the smartest people in the room. Talk about that next. Plus, next hour we will do Extend franchise or cut with James Bridges. We got a whole bunch of stuff still to come. An hour till Hayden Grove joins us. Keep it locked. It's Spencer German filling in for Jonathan Peterlin tonight. Overtime with Jonathan Peterlin here on the fan.